WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Another Upfront program is uh, underway for this uh, Friday morning. I'm Roger. I'm here all the time. And uh, today, uh, Nellie Gabir is uh, going to be joining us. As a matter of fact, she's here right here in the studio, and we'll chat with her. Next week, uh, Mayor Lisa Baldelli-Hunt is on schedule for uh, a visit with us, and we'll review some uh, city matters. And we have um, on Tuesday one of the members of the Woonsocket uh, City Council, and uh, looks like Helena Folks will be joining us uh, next uh, next Friday on the program. But today, it's not her. Today, it's... um. Uh, one uh, headline I, I took out of uh, one of the uh, websites, uh, Yahoo News, and uh, the, so they're not like based in Rhode Island. They're kind of like uh, a little bit uh, removed, but this was their headline, Rhode Island's Nellie Gobia could become uh, the first Latino in New England to uh, become a governor. That's what they said. Um, uh, so um, maybe we should uh, begin there. Is that something that uh, you'll be particularly proud of, or uh, are your uh, your sights for uh, being governor of Rhode Island uh, uh, more practical than maybe some headline like that? <laughs> good morning to you. Good morning, Roger, and good morning, uh, everybody out there in, in the greater Woonsocket area. It's wonderful to be back here. Nice to have you here. Um, you know, I... I I hope to win the governorship because my vision for the state and the work that I've done as Secretary of State proves to people that, that I'm the best person for the job, regardless of ethnicity or gender or anything like that. Um, I'll be proud because, you know, Rhode Islanders have seen the work that I've done as Secretary of State, I've, where I've transformed an agency of state government. And when I told, you know, when I ran for Secretary of State, I told people I'd make sure that elections were fair, fast, and accurate, that we would increase uh, the opportunities for businesses to start and thrive, that I'd take care of the public records, and I'd have really uh, strong transparency in government. And all of those things have happened over the last seven and a half years. So now, when I go and speak with Rhode Islanders, uh, and I tell them that I want to grow our economy uh, focused on our local businesses. I want to grow it in a way that's more equitable and just. Um, that really builds on uh, manufacturing and uh, the blue economy, the marine trades, the green economy, the environmental stuff that's happening, hospitality and tourism, healthcare services. When I say that I'm going to do that, they know that I'm a person who, who means what she says. And so to me, that's fantastic. Now, would it put Rhode Island on the map? Yes, it would. There's only been one other state uh, in the country that's elected uh, a Hispanic woman um, governor of, of a state from the Democratic Party, and that's the governor of New Mexico. But, um, you know, and, and when I go to other places, you know, people are like, really? In, in Rhode Island? You know, they did this? I'm like, yes. Because Rhode Island is that kind of wonderful community. It is a community that, you know, here in Woonsocket, the roots of the French-Canadian community are really, really strong. I've loved coming to the festivals and, and celebrating that. When I'm in South Providence, I can go to the Dominican festival or I can go to a Liberian festival. And I mean, there's, there's a richness to the fabric of Rhode Island that I think is like no, none other. And the fact that we are, uh, you know, that, that we thrive on that diversity is, is, is fantastic. There's a primary. I'm a registered Democrat, mm -hmm. so I uh, got to go into that 
that uh, voting uh, machine. I'll, I'll be voting in person. Another issue that we'll talk about a little bit there. Uh, and um, so your name is there, and uh, and the current governor is there, and then uh, Helena is there, and um, I'm not going to vote for Matt Brown. I'm, I'm not a big fan of him. Tell me what you would tell uh, uh, the voters here in Woonsocket, because that's a pretty good field. Uh, the uh, I find uh, three very capable people there, and um, and so I can only choose one in that primary. Why you? Out of those three, because this sure. is a primary vote. This yeah. is an important one. No, no, it is. It's a very important vote. And I would say that uh, out of all candidates, I'm the one that's actually proven that she can transform Rhode Island state government and make it work for people. I mean, one of the biggest joys that I have right now is, as I'm, I'm, I'm going and talking with people, is I'll have small business owners that will say to me, Nellie, I love your office. Now, I never thought I would ever hear business people say they love government, but they will say that. And so will their attorneys, so will their CPAs. And, and, and what they say to me is, you've made it so easy for me. You've really, you know, your people, and I love saying that back to them, you're welcome. Having, you know, I want you to know that I've done that with 15, 20, 30 year state employees, all members of a labor union. I've done it within a budget. And so, What's different is the leadership, and that is the, the, the dramatic difference. So I have seven and a half years of making sure that, that businesses start and thrive, for example, in this. So you don't, it's not just about the theories, about the nice ideas. We're all going to say fairly similar things. We're all in the Democratic primary. What's different is the proven leadership. So during the pandemic, we had a record number of business incorporations in 2020. We broke that record again in 2021 at a time when the office had, you know, limited contact with the public. How does that happen? It happens because for the initial five years before that pandemic, I had been investing in our IT systems, on our website, on our staff, on our people, the people who run the day-to-day the -day of the Secretary of State's office. And so if you were a small business owner and you wanted to create that business, you wanted to incorporate something, you could do it without a problem. Contrast that to an application process for SNAP benefits where we've had, you know, a horrible time for people being able to, to, to be able to access those during the pandemic. So, I, I, you know, again, the proof is in the leadership. If you look at the 2020 election, it was a record turnout, and everybody was able to vote safely and securely, either by mail ballot, early in person, or on the actual election day. A record number turned out during a pandemic. Everywhere I went, people were happy about, you know, how they were able to vote. And so that, you know, it's proven leadership within what some of the most trying circumstances that our government has met. Now... I did that by working with local boards of canvassers, with the State Board of Elections, with my own office. I mean, so it's a team effort, but it needs the right leadership. And so I would say to you, uh, uh, you should vote for Nellie Gorbea as governor because there's a proven leadership there that will turn this state around. When I was uh, watching the news conference the other day uh, on the budget with uh, Joe Shishkachi and uh, Dominic Ruggiero and the governor. The governor felt, to me, he struck me like a fish out of water between with those two guys there. Uh, I and, and you can see that he's not getting very far with the uh, 
with the Pawtucket Soccer Stadium and getting money uh, for, for that project. So my question is, uh, so you're elected governor of Rhode Island, and uh, you're going to deal with uh, Joe and Dominic. And uh, do you know these uh, guys, and could you uh, be more comfortable with them than uh, Dan McKee seemed uncomfortable the other day? Yes. Um, actually, well, I've been dealing with them for seven and a half years, actually. <laughs> In fact, you know, what's fascinating is I've been able to pass more legislation than I venture any other secretary of state has been able to pass. So... In my seven and a half years, I think we're, we're probably at around 15 or 17 bills that we have passed. And, and we're, we're waiting for a few more in the, in the end of the session. And some of them are absolutely amazing, you know, pieces where we, for example, we transformed lobbying registration. We rewrote the entire statute to make sure that people know who is lobbying and there are real consequences for people not registering as lobbyists. And that has led to more transparency and accountability in our government. And I've done, you know, elections legislation. I've done business-related regulations. Like, this, the process for um, simplifying letters of good standing has led to a positive impact in our business environment. And that was all spearheaded by my, by, by my administration. So I know how to manage the relationships with the legislature. The legislature, the General Assembly, has a role to play. I would have a role to play as governor. And I've already done it as Secretary of State. And I would venture to say that, you know, it's an office that historically has been seen as a filing cabinet. Not a lot of power there. And yet, look at all of the legislation that I've been able to pass through the General Assembly uh, during this time period. Would you uh, be as uh, crazy about some of the uh, uh, priorities uh, that are currently in front of us? Like, for instance, we saw uh, uh, eliminating the car tax. Hey, I like that. That was about the only piece of legislation besides the free license plate uh, that actually helped Roger, myself. And, uh, and then I was talking to people around the station and they didn't feel that they got much help. And then uh, I, I mentioned that um, project uh, in Pawtucket. That Pawtucket mayor, he wants that soccer stadium so bad he can taste it. And uh, there doesn't seem to be uh, much, of, much of an appetite for that. And, and then uh, we didn't pass a, a gas uh, relief tax. I, I guess my question to you, Nelly, is if, if you were governor right now, how would you be managing this craziness with food and gasoline? Or is it really... It's not a governor's issue. It's a federal issue. No, no, no. The governor definitely needs to be in tune with where the people are. And, and I actually say, I mean, I, I'm, I'm disappointed that there was no relief on the gas tax because that is something that I spoke about because that is something that people are feeling. In, in the, like, I know people who are not filling up their gas tank in a, in a given you know, visit to the station because they're hoping it'll go down by the time they need it again. Like, that's not a great way to live. Uh, so we, you know, as governor, you absolutely have to be in tune to where people are. And you've got to deliver a government that works for them. And, and again, that's what I've done as Secretary of State, and that's what I hope to do as governor. Um, now, I'm going to be focusing on some really important issues that I, are affecting everyday Rhode Islanders. The cost of housing. The cost of housing is astronomical right now. Now, I was executive director of Housing Works Rhode Island for six years. That's, That's right. actually when we first met. Um, and, and have been talking about the need to invest more resources, more government attention on the housing crisis. 
We've done part of it, which is yes. Now we have housing bonds that we've got a line item uh, in 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 the budget for helping those that might need you know additional help uh, in in affording a safe place to call home. But we also need to work with the cities and towns to simplify the process for building homes in the state. We have a great home building industry that is chomping at the bit to provide the homes that we need for everybody in this state. And they're not able to because there's layers and layers of bureaucracy and and permitting and hoops and hurdles. We need to come to an agreement in in terms of reducing all of that red tape so that we make it easier to build. And so as governor, to me, housing is going to be a priority. And I'll tell you what, housing is connected to how well people do in school, how well they, how, how good their health is. It's even got an impact on climate change. So housing is foundational to the well-being of people here. And so that's why I'm going to really tackle the housing affordability and the supply of housing here in, in our state. And I think going up because uh, we're going into summertime, but I'm thinking about my energy bills mm-hmm. uh, coming uh, this winter. And uh, some of the people around the radio station do not have the financial resources to uh, address those energy bills, um, buying oil or, mm-hmm. or gas and so forth. Is that, a, is that a, again, a gubernatorial issue Abs- uh, leading to November? Absolutely. Uh, as governor, I will be uh, focusing you know, on, on climate change related policies, including shifting, making it easier for people to shift over to alternative energy. The benefit of alternative energy should be, one, yes, it helps with the climate change uh, issues, but more importantly to everyday Rhode Islanders, that it provides you with a, a, a less expensive, uh, more secure source of energy. So, so that is absolutely going to be a focus of my administration, um, along with education, which is the third piece. So housing, education, and, and energy and, and climate change-related issues are those that I hope to focus on and, and that I think that Rhode Island can make some really good headway. You know, when I became Secretary of State, we were ranked 30-something and with regards to election administration. We're now number eight. We're in the top ten of states in terms of seeing being seen as leaders in the administration of elections. And so we can do that for energy, we can do that for education, and we can absolutely do that for housing affordability. So a few days ago, uh, the House and Senate passed the Let Rhode Island Vote Act, and the governor signs it. That's one of the few times I've seen you and the governor you know, uh, happy together. I said uh, on, on the air in an editorial comment, uh, they're on the same page on that particular issue, um, but not everybody feels that way uh, about uh, that uh, that that bill. So when we uh, talk about that in the next few moments, you can talk about what it does from your perspective. But this guy says, uh, you know, not everybody not everybody likes the the candidates out there. Hi, Booch. That's what they call me locally for uh, Bouchard. Hi, Booch. Ask Nelly if she thinks uh, resident aliens, non-citizens, should vote in state elections. I am asking for her opinion, not what the law actually says. And does she consider illegal aliens undocumented residents, that is, as Rhode Island voters, when she says every vote in Rhode Island will be counted. So now back to Let Rhode Island Vote Act. And uh, you can talk about the, uh, the way that you see it. And then you can talk about how other people feel about this. Go ahead. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. No, yeah. I thought I thought we were like in a commercial or something. I thought no, you were introducing no, the topic. No, uh, no, oh, yeah, no. We're going so, straight with you. All right. No, no. So, um, yeah, no. So I uh, I absolutely was thrilled to see um, the Let Rhode Island Act uh, be passed into law. It it basically codified it put into law many of the things that we had already been doing as part of the response to the pandemic. And for those of you out there who have concerns about the safety or security of, of or integrity of, of elections, I encourage you to call my office, 222-2340. That's the elections division. We will walk you through all of the checks and balances that we have to make sure that we have integrity in our elections. Every listener that, that we have out there, I know wants integrity in elections. So do I. And that is what we're guaranteeing. What we're also doing is modernizing, adopting technology in a way that it allows working folks to be able to vote. Not everybody can take the time out. Not everybody's going to have an employer who's going to be, you know, either nice enough to let them go out and vote or, or they may work far away. I mean, I, I, early on in my career, I voted, I mean, I worked in Boston. And so it was very hard for me to actually make it into vote on election day. So now having early in-person voting, for example, at city or town hall, 20 days before the election, you can choose where in, in your life you're able to take that moment. That's really important in terms of exercising your right to vote. Now, in terms of you know, undocumented uh, uh, people here in our state, uh, no, they don't have the right to vote. And that's very clear. And so we, when we talk about, you know, making it easier for people to vote, we're talking about anyone who is 18 years of age and a U.S. citizen. And that's pretty, pretty clear. And that, none of that has changed. So uh, to say otherwise is, is to, to, to promote misinformation. But, but I'm very, I was really glad to see, um, look, we had a record number of votes uh, of voters uh, in, in the 2020 election. 521,000 Rhode Islanders voted in November of 2020. No, no, no issues, no issues. And, and you do that because there's a whole community of people of all different parties and backgrounds that are in charge of the administration of elections. So it's not just Nellie Gorbea. It's not just the Board of Elections. It is the local Board of Canvassers. It is your poll workers. Uh, and so there is a lot of checks and balances to make sure that our elections are run right. Uh, a couple of comments from uh, listeners that came in a little bit earlier. Um, as your candidate for governor, you're the current Secretary of State. This gentleman wants to know, are you going to be the supervisor of the elections <laughs> uh, when so, they're counted? Uh, yeah. how, are you, how are you handling that no, uh, no. on election so, day? So let me, again, I want to I um, encourage people to go to SOS, I'm sorry, to vote.ri.gov. Vote.ri.gov has a very nice graphical explanation of how elections are run in Rhode Island. Vote counting is handled by the nonpartisan state board of elections, not by my office. So the secretary of state uh, on election day, uh, it's actually one of the more frustrating days because I actually have very, like basically no duties that day. The day of election and the counting of the votes is are, are handled by local boards of canvassers, which again are nonpartisan or multi you know partisan and the state board of elections uh have one out here on abortions mm -hmm. uh abortion rights i should say and abortion right guarantees mm -hmm. at the um 
gubernatorial forum that RIPEC held. That's about the only time we've seen the candidates together. Um, I guess another question is, uh, do you expect many debates? Uh, this is kind of a side question, or nobody, so. nobody's invited you? No, no, so we had that one, and we had a um, the Interfaith Coalition Against Poverty yeah. held a forum that we, we that I participated at, at the, um, at the Jewish Alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think um, there's another one coming up. The, the Medical Society, some groups have invited the candidates, and so we're starting to see that. But I hope that we'll be able to have a televised debate. I'm, I'm all, all for that. Yeah, I'd like to see it, too. Anyway, back to the uh, forum uh, for IPEC back in May. Uh, abortion rights guarantees uh, did come up in that discussion. Uh, we see something. We're waiting for what's going to happen uh, with Roe versus Wade nationally. It looks like the General Assembly addressed it somewhat in this session, so I'm even wondering whether it's a gubernatorial campaign issue at all. It looks like it might be taken care of by other bodies of government, and the sitting governor won't even have to really say much about it. Well, I have to say I'm grateful to um, uh, the leadership that was in place at the General Assembly that actually helped codify this, so that it's not the kind of really uh, dire issue that it is in other states. Um, you know, I happen to believe that, that women should be able to choose within their own, you know, personal medical issues, their life situations, their faith, you know, what it is that they need to do at that moment should they happen to unfortunately have an unwanted pregnancy. Uh, and, and in Rhode Island, yes, we have codified a lot of the provisions in 2019 uh, and, you know, so we'll see. But it's still an issue because it's an issue at the national level. And, and, and so you want to make sure that your elected leaders are in tune with what the people want. On tax policy uh, here in Rhode Island, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of retirees uh, move to another state. Uh, they leave uh, Rhode Island. So we're told anyway. I don't know if uh, you believe it that, that much. But on tax policy, are there a lot of Rhode Islanders uh, getting a free ride? Do we need to um, catch up with some of those uh, so that we can equalize our uh, tax burden? Because we've got some good substantial taxes here in Rhode Island. Yeah, no, I think that, that it is time to, to take a look at the tax structures in the state. I will say this. Look, if you're doing really well in life, you should absolutely be contributing more to help balance out inequities in our society. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, something that I, I believe very strongly. If you're a corporation, particularly large corporations, they should be providing. Nothing gets me going more than to hear about large corporations that are paying virtually no taxes. That is unconscionable. That breaks the social contract under which our country should be running. And so as governor, I will be looking at that for sure and making sure that we could then provide some some relief to small businesses, to, to, to individuals who, who are right now, I think, un, unfairly burdened by, by taxes. You're hitting the uh, television airways next week, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, Stay you're, tuned. You're quiet, you're quiet on what's in the content, right? Well, it's because otherwise it, 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 you know, it, it, um, it spoils the surprise. All right. 
Well, we'll be waiting for the surprise. Well, and thank you, Roger. Um, you know, for, for those of you who are interested in learning more about my campaign and what I hope to do, um, I want to encourage people to go to NellieGorbea.com. That is, um, that's my campaign website. And I am thrilled uh, to hear from people uh, as I, 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 I walk through Rhode Island. And it's been really exciting to hear people's energy and saying, like, absolutely, that's our Nelly. They actually, talking about commercials, people still quote the uh, 2014 commercial to me. I was, like, I was walking in Gatsby, and at least half a dozen people yelled out, that's our Nelly. And it was really fun. Um, and, it's, and, and I'm thrilled to, to, to get so much warmth uh, as, as, I, as I go on in this campaign uh, from just regular folks that are excited because of the job that I've done as Secretary of State. They're absolutely excited to see me be the next governor. Talk about regular folks. Yeah. Let's talk to a couple of regular folks all right, sure. and uh, see what's going on here. All right. You are classified, in my opinion, as regular folks. Uh, what would you like to ask Nelly? Hello. Good morning. Hey. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, I was going to ask a question about elections. And good morning, Secretary. Good morning. Secretary, thanks, for, thanks for taking questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's one thing I want to... I was going to ask about elections, but I'm going to switch gears to tax policy. So, so I agree with the social contract, like you just said. I mean, we, we do have a social contract. And you said the imbalance is balancing things out for the people who are a lot less fortunate. Agree. One thing I, I noticed, and this was a while back, back when Link Chafee was governor. That's how long it's been since I researched this. But... I always looked at the, the corporate tax rate. I think it was 7% or it is 7% in Rhode Island. And what I learned about it, when I, when I dove into it a little bit, I learned that the way that these big corporations like CVS, the way they, they lessen their tax burden is by employing more people. So I, I believe at the time it was for every 100 FTEs, full-time employer, uh, employees, they would get, I think it was a tenth of a percent off their taxes. So at the end of the day, if they employed, I think it was like 4,000 full-time employees in Rhode Island, it would bring their tax rate from like 7% to 4%. Now, that's, that's something I could live with. Um, and not to get too into the weeds with tax policy, but do you support sort of incentives like that that will keep jobs in Rhode Island? So, hey, the, you know, the big corporation might pay 4% instead of 7 but if they employ 5,000 full-time people, that's a good thing for the state as well. So we, what, what's your opinion on that? Thank well, you. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank, that's a great question. So the question is then, what are those jobs paying? And, and what would be, you know, what we could we reasonably expect from those people paying taxes, right? There might still be a gap there. Um, in principle, yes, what you say sounds very reasonable, um, but the devil's in the details. So are we expanding, you know, a thousand minimum wage jobs or are they a thousand middle income jobs or very high and earning jobs? Because those are each going to be able to pay different levels of taxes. So we have to take a look at it, uh, like I said. And, and that's what I hope to do to make sure that if, if we can provide any kind of relief um, to regular folks, that, that we can do that. And, uh, and, and, and I think sometimes, you know, these deals get struck and they don't get re- revisited. And we don't look at to see what's happened since uh, they were struck. Dana is pacing the hallways here at WNRI because I guess uh, we have other places for you to be. However, uh, got another question about school safety and guns and mental health. I think they all come together. As governor, if you're elected uh, in uh, November, um, we're going to have to address school safety or, or, or will we? Uh, is it uh, something that will leave the headlines and uh, you know, we can just let it go? I wish that that were the case, but I sadly don't think so. Um, you know, as a mom with three kids, two of whom are still in school and one going to college, 
Um, I, I am heartbroken every single time you know one of these massacres is is happening in our country, and I don't know of a, of a parent or, or a human being out there who can't be affected by it uh, in a in a real way. Uh, we have some some real issues in our society overall, and and investing in mental health and, and behavioral health services for our kids has to be a priority for the next governor. Uh, we are woefully uh, inadequate in that. And, and in those services, we need to bring the whole family into it as well. Uh, there's been a real breakdown uh, in, in our country. And, and I look forward to, you know, as a mom and as a governor, uh, you know, making sure that we prioritize the mental health, the emotional health of our kids, because that's our future. And, 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 and those are our children. I'm glad to see you putting uh, emphasis on mental health because... I, I do believe a big part of this issue is the mental health component. Do you have time for one more, one more call? And then, last one. Okay, last one, and then we'll send her on her way. Uh, hello there. Quick question here for, uh, for Nelly Gobia, please. Good morning. I have an energy question. Energy question? Uh, okay. Well, we're planning to go totally with wind and solar. However, evidence for both Europe and Texas show that that will not work. Mm -hmm. The only energy source that will work is nuclear energy. The great state of Utah has chosen to go with advanced nuclear modules to power their state. Will you change course and push for nuclear energy in Rhode Island to secure our energy future? Fair enough. All right. Uh, This gentleman uh, is a regular caller on nuclear. He knows a lot about it and and so forth. Are you like... Let's start from the top. Anti-nuclear and work your, work your yeah, way down. I just think that nuclear, like, is 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 one of those issues where it, it you know, we're a very small state. Utah, of course, much larger, uh, and can accommodate that kind of of energy um, in a different way. Um, you know, some of this is geographic. We are blessed with a coastline and access to a coastline that is particularly well suited for offshore wind. Utah doesn't have that. So um, so you have to go with your geographic advantages as much as you have to go with the, the pure energy sort of analysis. And so my, um, my focus as governor is going to be on, on alternative energy coming from solar and wind uh, because I think that that's where our, our easiest, most cost-effective uh, solutions are going to be. Final words before you uh, leave the studio to our uh, local uh, Cumberland, Lincoln, North Smithfield, Boroughville, and Socket audience. Well, uh, I hope everybody uh, listening uh, is is intrigued by by my candidacy. I, you know, you all uh, blessed me seven and a half years ago by electing me as your Secretary of State, and I have worked every single day to bring a government that works for you, and. It's been the joy of a lifetime. And now that I've transformed that agency of state government, looking at some of the really big challenges facing our state and our country today, I would love to have your support as your next governor. I am excited about the possibilities. I know that we can do this because I'm someone who gets how some of our problems are interconnected. Like like I talked about housing. Housing has an effect on how well a kid does in school. If a kid moves twice in a school year, it's going to be really hard for that kid to do well 
in school, no matter what the teachers do. I'm a big believer in working together. I am someone who understands how to get things done in the public sector. And I have been a community leader for 30 years in Rhode Island. And so um, I, I, I uh, respectfully ask for your, your vote, particularly those who are going to be voting in the Democratic primary on September 13th. And now with my Secretary of State hat, I will say that if you have any questions about your timeline, your voter registration, everything like that, you can go to sos.ri.gov. Um, and, and find out, you know, when and how, and, and you, can, you can be a voter. As the song says, see you in September, right? Uh, Maybe. Because that is the um, key uh, voting uh, date for you, uh, because you've got to get through that primary, right? That's right. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Roger. Back in a moment after these messages. Lifetime Weight Loss LLC, located at 250 Eddie Dowling Highway in North Smithfield. Ask yourself, Rhode Island, are you looking to achieve the weight loss results you want and deserve? Are you looking for a structured program that can put an end to constant dieting? If you answered yes, then call 401-375-40. They offer a sensible, supervised, medically developed weight loss program with over 10 years of success. Learn to sustain weight loss for life and maintain muscle while burning fat. Lasting results resets your metabolism. Lose an average of two to six pounds per week if you make a commitment to losing weight and developing smart lifestyle choices. Lifetime Weight Loss LLC will teach you how to achieve these goals. Call 401-300-7540 or visit them online at LifetimeWeightLossLLC.com. Seven-day-a-week dining at Grumpy's. Quality dining, casual dining. Remember, we have luncheons Monday through Friday starting at noontime, $5.99 and up. And then Monday through Thursday, our $10 dinner special starting at 4 p.m. You might find baked manicotti on the menu or honey jack chicken or our special oven-baked meatloaf. Monday through Thursday, $10 dinner special starting at 4 at Grumpy's. Or you can select from our regular menu with so many choices. And our kitchen is open on Friday and Saturday night till midnight for your convenience. So, for quality dining, come on into Grumpy's Restaurant, holding our prices during these inflationary times. Pulaski Boulevard, South Bellingham, Massachusetts. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, we're back to the Upfront program. Uh, Nellie Garbia, candidate for governor, our current Secretary of State, is on her way to her next appointment. And uh, so uh, we're juggling our schedule a little here in the program. Usually in front of uh, the interview, we have... Uh, Mr. Robert Martin, who is um, broker owner of uh, Crossroads Real Estate Group, but uh, we asked him to shift things around because uh, Nellie had to go somewhere right around this time. Mr. Martin, are you on our live line right now? I am, Roger. All right. How are you doing today? 
very well and yourself. Good. So we're going to have our real estate question of the week. But before we uh, get to that, um, I wanted to ask you whether um, this real estate market has changed. Um, uh, you know, you're not the only real estate guy I talk to. I don't know if you know that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> and they have told me that within uh, the last uh, 20 days, things have changed because interest rates have continually gone up. Inventory uh, the prices, um, they think are they think are going to come down, but they don't think they have done that much, and that uh, there will be more inventory. So I was wondering whether uh, they were uh, whether you had a different viewpoint on what happened, especially with the uh, interest rates uh, at the Federal Reserve uh, going up. I'm sure that's going to trickle down to the uh, mortgage market. Go ahead, Bob. No, I, I generally agree with what you know you've just said. Um, Although mortgage rates are not technically geared to Fed action, they, they obviously have an effect. So with rising rates, a fewer people will actually be eligible for properties or they'll be eligible for a property at a different price point. So do I expect a, a slowing of the escalation in prices? Yes. Um, I can almost see it's very close to a plateau. Um, do I think the bottom's going to fall out? I do not. Um, but um, I think that they're going to at least stay at this level. And there may be a correction if somebody, depending on their desire to sell, uh, they may say, well, okay, let's lower. I did read an article that said nationally uh, about 20% of the homes that are listed had uh, seen a price reduction. Now, whether that's because someone had grossly overpriced it to begin with, thinking they catch the curve, or whether or not the prices have dropped, you can you know, debate that point. But, no, we're, we're uh, definitely are a plateauing, in my opinion. Um, rates are still great. However, like everything else, um, they're not as great as they were. And uh, the people, the first-time homebuyers um, that have come to the market in the last four or five years, um, they just anticipated a two and a half, three percent rate, when in fact I remember eighteen percent rates. And um, those of us that are older and had mortgages, which you know, that's not uncommon. Someone say, "Oh yeah, my first mortgage was at nine percent, or my first mortgage was at eight percent." So it's going to take a while for the, the mental adjustment. Number one, and number two, yes, it's. Uh, um, I think the uh, you know certain certain pockets. With are still, um, I'll give you an example. We saw the condo in, in, on the east side this week. It was on for 600 and the guy offered 705 cash. Um, you know, there's still going to be properties like that that people still want to purchase. But, you know, to the, let me call it the average buyer, my average buyer in our area, yeah, it's going to be, a, there's going to be a sobering here and they're going to have to, um, some will, will have priced themselves out of the market and others will. Say I can't afford that house anymore, and if people want to sell, then you're going to have to adjust based on rates. So I, I concur with the other fellow realtors that you have spoken to. All right. A lot of uh, quote-unquote liquidity out there in terms of uh, what is going to be happening in the next few uh, few months. All right. Yeah, and, and Roger, I think there's going to be more of an effect on what I would say the, the lower half of, of the price of homes where people are getting FHA, VA. You know, that person that was buying 
a half a million dollar house and putting 30 or 40 percent down in cash will probably buy that property anyway. But that person that was putting down three and a half percent or going with Island Housing, needing a seller contribution, those are the ones that are going to be affected the most. And they're the ones that would be buying more in, let's say, the $280,000, area. So I see more of an adjustment in the lower end of the pricing market than I do at the upper end where you get a more affluent buyer. Here's our real estate question of the week. It's timely, of course, uh, because of the the assessments that uh, were mailed out. It says here, uh, Mr. Mon, I received my assessment and appealed it with a representative of the company this week. He did not comment on my appeal but said it would be reviewed and I'd be notified of their decision if I do not agree with that decision. Do I have other options? Uh, yes, yes, you do. Um, in fact, I I was on the phone yesterday on two properties, uh, and you know, they were very courteous, and they're there to gather information and listen. Um, that person and anyone that did uh, speak to the tax assessor's um, vision, and they should be notified by a letter as to we've agreed, we've, or we've brought the price down, um, we've adjusted to this price, or uh, no, we don't control. Um, the, so if, even if they did lower it and it's not lowered to the point where, let's say this gentleman feels it ought to be, then you have to file a written appeal. Um, it generally goes through the tax assessor, but I don't believe we technically have a tax assessor. So I would say you go right to the board. There's a thing called the Board of Assessment Review, which are three three people uh, appointed, I believe, by the mayor uh, that would hear this. Um, and you go to the City of Woonsocket website, go on the tax assessor, and if there's a there's a drop down there that says second appeal to the tax board of assessment. The thing to be careful on with that is, is, is someone should look at this now because. Um, the time frames for appeal are very exact, and that's partly state law. So if you go beyond or forget to appeal within the particular number of days, uh, it's very clear that you've given your right to appeal, and the tax assessor cannot overrule that time frame. So um, it's very important that people go to this this form, um, and I, I personally... Uh, I'm waiting for the letters to come back, and I'm going to, you know, I've already put down the time frame. Uh, and, and this is a written one that you apply, goes into the tax assessor's office. Uh, you got to do a little homework because you have to give some comps and whatnot. And um, and then you will be called and told what, like, last time I did it was in the evening, but at some point, and you actually get to stand in front of this appeal board and, and render your case. And they have the ultimate authority, uh, short of going to court, and I'm assuming we'll rule that out. Uh, but they have the ultimate authority to say, no, we concur with with the, uh, the vision, or we don't, uh, and we're going to further lower it. They're the, the last line within the city government at that point. So uh, sometimes they make a decision right in front of you, and other times... They, they said, we'll get back to you shortly, or we've got to do our own research. So, But that definitely there's another appeal. Um, but I would go to the city website, tax assessor, and where it clearly says second appeal. And just make sure that you follow the time frames that are in here. 
to preserve your right to appeal it a second time. So it's very uh, almost uh, precise, huh? You've got to really stay. Uh, uh, you got to have a calendar nearby, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, not, not, I'll just read you one quick. So I'm looking at it now. For appeals to the local tax board of review, this form must be filed with the local tax board and review not more than 30 days after the assessor renders a decision, mm-hmm. or if the assessor does not render a decision within 45 days. Um, going back a few years, and it was envisioned. I get appealed to the tax assessor when we had one, and uh, they didn't agree with me. Uh, so I finally called, and I said, you know, I didn't receive anything. My time frame for appeals running out. Oh, we didn't send a letter out if we didn't agree with you. Um, oh. I could have let that time slip by and have lost and lost my appeal. So I would urge uh, anyone like that to, to monitor that they're getting the letter from Vision, and then if they don't agree to immediately fill this form out and drop it off in the tax assessor's office. Mr. Martin, you're always a great resource to go to when it comes to the world of real estate. Do you know anything about any other topics out there, though, like uh, golf or dining or wine or anything like that? Or are you just limited to real estate? No, no. My gift tells me that wine is, is right there and so is food. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. so, uh, I'm just checking to s- see if you're multidimensional. Yes. And yeah, apparently yeah. you are. I, if you look at me, I am multidimensional. Yes, right? um, uh, you said it. Now, thank you, Mr. Martin, and have a great real estate day, all right? You too, Raj. Have a good radio day. Okay, thank you. Robert Martin from Crossroads Real Estate Group with our real estate uh, question of the day. And always an interesting discussion with him on the uh, what I would call real estate issues that are out there. All right, Honey Shop is our next sponsor. And uh, they're on Park Avenue in Woonsocket. And uh, let me tell you that uh, they have uh, some new classes uh, coming up. Uh, for instance, uh, on July the uh, the 10th, they have a wood-burning class. Um, and then uh, on July the 15th, they have uh, Mexican Fiesta Cooking and Dining. And... Then on the 17th of July, they have a beached theme uh, day where you bring uh, your imagination and you create a beach-hanging glass globe. And uh, like I said, it's a beach theme orientation. Uh, looking at July 22nd, they have, this is the one that I'm interested in. I like food. Tour of Tuscany. And uh, what they're going to be doing is making a delicious salad uh, from fresh garden uh, tomatoes. And then they're going to have a toasted Italian bread and veggies and tossed with an aged balsamic balsamic and olive oil. And then on to pizza, sun-dried tomato risotto and spaghetti carbonara. And a few other surprises ending with a nice gelato and chocolate-infused wine. Wine sampling is com- complimentary. That's Friday, July 22nd. Those are just a few of the upcoming classes at... Um, the Honey Shop on Park Avenue. And uh, I was just told the uh, wood-burning class is sold out on July 10th. All right. That's how popular they are. So if you're looking for uh, a nice gift or if you're looking for some instruction in classes, uh, looking for gourmet foods, looking for health foods, natural remedies, you can see that the honey shop is like a spoke on a wheel going in a lot of different directions depending on what you're interested in. You might be interested in keto 
uh, ingredients, you know, flour and things like that. We have a keto section for those who are following a keto diet. We are the Honey Shop, 1300 Park Avenue, Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Lunch today at the Roast House? Let's meet for lunch or dinner at the Roast House. Their menu offers something for everyone. Seafood and chicken, roasts, steaks, and chops. Appetizers and their rotation of the heartiest soups in the area. Open Sunday through Thursday, 1130 to 9. Friday and Saturday, 1130 to 10 p.m. Now, here are some of the delicious choices awaiting you at the Roast House. All right, I'm looking at the Roast House luncheon menu that they'll be serving from 11.30 on today. And uh, today I'm going to uh, go with the uh, barbecue chicken sandwich at $8.99. This is a broiled chicken breast that's basted with uh, barbecue sauce and then topped with uh, jack and cheddar cheese. And then on a grilled buttered roll, uh, it's served to you. And you get a big deli pickle spear and a choice of one side, which could be uh, fries or coleslaw, or the vegetable of the day, or uh, or um, mashed potatoes, or baked potato. Um, it's really a nice luncheon menu. If you're looking for a nice luncheon experience, may I highly recommend the Roast House in Blackstone, Massachusetts. Uh, we have a couple of minutes uh, left of the program, so let's rejoin the Upfront program. Listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Okay, thank you. Well, Jeff, what were you doing when Nellie Gobia was here? Were you talking with Dana out there? Or yeah, her, I was uh, talking campaign uh, manager? with the campaign manager, nice fellow. Um, very pleased with it, their experience here at WNRI. And I was also listening in to the interview with Nelly Gorbea. And you did a nice job staying uh, out of the way of her answers, which is a difficult thing sometimes in, in letting a candidate speak. Um, I, I, one thing I picked up is there wasn't a lot of bumper sticker slogans thrown around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many times in politics, the campaign is, uh, we're going to bring uh, integrity and transparency back to the office. So there was none of that, <laughs> you know, that superfluous stuff. So it was actually, you know, interesting on that standpoint. Obvious differences here, but I've yet to hear a candidate ease my fears of what we're facing. The ARP money is going to run out. And a lot of states and municipalities dealing with the shortfalls with that money. That's going to go away very soon. The article in the call the other day doesn't make me feel very good about uh, where we're heading financially with the education funding being cut for the unfair funding formula, as I call it, uh, thanks to the ride budget in Infante Green. I referred to Woonsocket the other day, Roger, as the Statue of Liberty of the Ocean State. What I mean by that is, uh, I guess the slogan here is, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, and we're rewarded with a cut in state funding and not expected to be the last of our cuts in state funding. So with all this economic turmoil and even energy, uh, what's suffocating the country is is gas and diesel. Uh, solar panels and wind energy is not going to lower the prices at the grocery stores and our household uh, bills to that extent. So uh, I'm still waiting for that comforting words. I don't know if I'll ever hear them. Uh, to uh, pinpoint my decision. So this guy has been hanging on a while, Yes, right? he has. So let's, uh, let's grab this call and uh, see if he has something complimentary to say about me. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> ha, You knew who was on hold, didn't you? Yeah, you did. <laughs> but we went well, to you anyway. Wanna, yeah, but I've already got you uh, stereotyped uh, to know exactly where you're going to head with it. 
when it I comes know, you to... call me the jerk. So you are, you're, when, you're a good man, Bob. But you would make a... You're a nice guy, but you'd make a lousy talk show host because, well, what happened is that you would, like, irritate them and you'd never get a, another visit, uh, which would probably be fine with you. I don't know. Would you make a good talk show host? Uh, maybe. No. <laughs> I might make a good politician, too. A monologuist, but not a... Not a <laughs> hey, but anyways, Booch, I gotta admit, I owe you a buck. Yes, she did. Because I thought she would never show up, first of all. She yeah. almost didn't. <laughs> she well, almost, I was right on two other occasions. Right, so she almost went, been the trifecta. She almost went to the wrong address. <laughs> but I have to ask you, Booch, how long have you been doing these interviews for? Oh, 60 years. Yeah. Well, did uh, you ever have a term called follow-up? Because when you specifically asked her what her opinion was on illegals voting, yeah. you didn't say what, not what the law says, what's your opinion yeah. on it. She completely sidestepped and avoided that question completely. You, you know and why you I don't to follow up. You know why I don't do follow-ups. So if I ask Jeff a question here, and the, the, this is self-evident, this is a good, and if I were teaching a journalism class, which I have, uh, this is what I would say, Jeff. How old are you and what year were you born? Oh, now, yeah. now, all right, so there's the question. If he doesn't answer the question, I could do a follow-up and say, well, Jeff, I asked you, how old are you, what year were you were born? But the point is, I think it is quite uh, evident to the listener that when you ask a question about something and they're answering something else, uh, there's, your, there's your answer right there. If they can't give you a direct answer on the question, then you know they're bullcrapping you. And uh, so I can say to them, all right, stop bullcrapping me. Um, here's the question again. I'm not going to get they, – they're going to answer it if they, if they want to answer it. And a follow-up question is not going to give you the results you want. So anyway, well, I could be wrong. people don't see a filibuster when it's happening, no. though, so you got to call it out when it's going on. So that's all my suggestion is. Well, I years and, and follow up. That's all. My my one minute or less uh, take on this, and I've been in the position seconds. many times. Uh, you got a limited time. You could spend an hour and a half on that one issue and never change anybody's mind. Trying to get an overview as as many different talks as possible in a short amount of time. Thank you, Bob. We'll see you Monday on the Upfront program. It's 9 o'clock at WNRI, Woonsocket. News this hour from townhall.com. I'm Rich Thomason. The Biden administration is crafting its response to the Supreme Court's upcoming abortion ruling. President Biden and his team are looking at what executive action could be taken if Roe v. Wade is overturned. The administration continues to explore every possible option in response to the anticipated Supreme Court decision in Dobbs. White House spokeswoman Corrine Jean-Pierre did not provide details of any possible executive orders, but said if the 1973 Roe decision is overturned, Congress will need to restore Roe. Greg Clugston, the White House. Two people killed, one wounded, a shooting at a church in Vestavia Hills, Alabama, south of Birmingham. A suspect is in custody, no information yet on a motive for the attack at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in the Birmingham suburb. An appeal is expected after the British government gave the go-ahead for WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange to be extradited to the U.S. to face spy charges. A rift has developed between Democrat and Republican senators working to put the finishing touches on gun legislation. The bargainers say they remain divided over how to define abusive dating partners so they could be legally barred from purchasing firearms. 
Disagreements are also unresolved over proposals to send money to states that have red flag laws to let authorities temporarily confiscate guns from people deemed dangerous by courts and to other states for their own violence prevention programs. Senators have said a deal must be completed and written into legislative language by week's end if Congress is to vote by next week. After that is a July 4th recess. Ben Thomas, Washington. The Golden State Warriors NBA champs once again topping the Boston Celtics 103-90. to On Wall Street, ahead of the opening bell, the Dow futures are up 142 points. NASDAQ futures ahead 90. More on these stories at townhall.com. The go-to place for authentic Italian dining is Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar. Over 20 Italian dishes made to order from our menu or experience our Sicilian-style pizza. Build your own while you choose from your veggies, meats, and cheeses. And, of course, our traditional family-style chicken dinner is offered every day. Savini's Pomodoro on Rathbun Street with affordable accommodations for weddings, birthdays, anniversaries, and business meetings. Close Mondays open Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 4, Friday, Saturday, and Sundays at noon. For reservations, call 762-5114. That's 762-5114. Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar, 476 Rathbun Street, Woonsocket. Inviting you to join us at our family-owned businesses, Savini's or Ciro's. Perfect for any event. Soup and salad bar now available, and Papa Savini's famous roasted chicken and noodle soup, also available by the 32-ounce jar to take home at Savini's Pomodoro. Dot com. 